Well, good day, everybody, and welcome back to The Extras. My name is Sam. And I'm Jack. And it's great to be with you uh, on this Wednesday morning. It's chilly, it's bright, uh, but uh, it's good good to be together. We're face-to-face. This is a good thing. And uh, if you hear some noise in the background, we're sort of measuring out our floor plan here at church to see how, how we can fit... Well, how many chairs can we fit in socially distanced to help us plan and think through uh, what might be next? So that's an exciting time, Jack. Yeah, lots going on here. Lots of plans that we're working through and thinking through. It's a a funny time, but yeah, as you said, exciting. It is is exciting. We'd appreciate your prayers and your wisdom um, as we we think it all through. Uh, But we're not here to talk chairs this morning. We're here to talk Genesis uh, chapter 27 from last Sunday. Um, Mike, uh, uh, Jack, you and Mike... We're, uh, we're teaching us on uh, on Sunday um, in, in a team teaching kind of scenario. You there was were, a bit of mistaken identity there, as well. There so was a bit. I, I was thrown because <laughs> of your incredible push, push-up ability <laughs> and uh, and Mike's remarkable math, mathematical uh, geniusness. Who knew? And now, can you just... This, this is my question from Sunday. Was that a real maths problem on the, on the whiteboard there? The formula was correct, assuming that I transcribed it correctly from the piece of paper that I wrote it on okay. the first time. Okay. Do you understand that kind of mathematics? Like, what, what what realm of mathematics are we in, in on that program on that uh, problem we have? Ah, like it wasn't a problem that means anything. It was just me trying to make something, put as many symbols and numbers as I could on the board that would still add up to something correct. <laughs> okay, yeah, nice, nice, very good. Well, that that was good fun. And uh, but more than that, what was uh, Genesis chapter twenty seven all about? We've sort of hinted at this mistaken identity thing going on. Uh, give us a bit of a recap for those uh, perhaps who who haven't caught up with Sunday's teaching. What what was it all about? Sure thing. So the mistaken identity was that Jacob, the younger son of Isaac and Rebekah, he goes into his blind old dad Isaac's tent and dresses up as his brother Esau in order to deceive Isaac and he steals uh, the blessing that Isaac wanted to give to Esau, his favorite son. So you see this, this terrible act of treachery as Jacob steals what was rightfully his brother's. And we saw how through all of that mess and the you know family breakdown that happens after that, the amazing thing is that this is the family that God chooses to work through to bring about his promises and his blessings to the whole world. We saw how God blesses even through these atrocious messes. Yeah, you really get the sense of the the, the corrupted nature of humanity at that point with, with this just sort of deathbed deceit that goes on. Um, and then also uh, just a... a, a de- just a clear demonstration of the grace of God that even so God still just is determined to bless this uh, yeah this this corrupted um, God uh, yeah it's just incredible isn't it so mm. um, okay so we've got a bunch of questions that have come in um, really good ones today so we'll do our best to try and tackle your question if you've sent one in and we want to encourage you to keep sending questions in uh, via the text message on on the screen on Sundays um, so let's dive in uh, first set of questions there's sort of four or five to this end um, asking us both can you define blessing so we'll start with that but then also how does is there a difference between the blessing that um, Jacob steals in this chapter and that birthright that he sort of stole back a couple of weeks ago yeah um, can, so let's start with blessing can, can you give us a big picture how do we how do we think about what blessing is yeah great question uh, always good to ask even just these clarification definition questions yeah we probably didn't define it very clearly on Sunday so thanks for the chance to tease that out a bit Blessing, big picture, is a, a really big category. I mean, this is a word that we see all over the Bible. Like, it's a, there's a lot that's packed into that word. And at the broadest level, perhaps you could say, blessing is about goodness. You know, we see in Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. 
through you. I'm going to bless the world. In the end, God ends up blessing the world through the Lord Jesus. All of that's pointing at God lavishing his goodness and his grace upon his creation. So probably, yeah, biggest possible frame. That's what blessing is all about. Okay. Uh, coming in here, there's, there's, there's sort of a, 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 a kind of blessing, almost a blessing ceremony or something going on in, uh, on the deathbed, um, which I guess fits within that bigger definition of God, God's kind of goodness towards people. Um, but there's something extra going on here. Yeah, I think that's right. So here you have Isaac saying, I want to bless my favorite son Esau before I die. And then when you actually look at the blessing that he ends up giving in chapter 27, from verse 27 onwards, Isaac says, you know, the smell of my son's like the smell of a field and talks about giving him the, the, the richness of the earth and making all his siblings bow down to him. There's this, it's, it's, it's kind of like a prayer that Isaac ends up giving as the blessing. Mm. And yet it seems like it's also more than just a prayer. There's almost something like declarative about it. Like Isaac is, you know, pronouncing and declaring his, uh, his hopes, his, his kind of God sought wishes for the future of his sons. It seems that there's something more significant here. If it's just like, oh, you know, I want to pray for my son. Like, you know, I'm sure Isaac prayed for his children all the time. You see that in chapter 25. He's a prayerful man. Mm. But there's this one-off, you know, one shot. I'm going to bless my son before I die. Yeah. There's something that's, yeah, more significant about this ceremony, it seems. Yes, and you see that, I guess, down in, in verse 33 when Esau finally does rock up with the, with the, with the hunted game and the, the cooked meal and then says, come on, bless me. And, and Isaac's kind of response is... Um, he says, I ate um, Jacob's food and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. And so it's almost like I've, I've said my blessing and I've pronounced it. So it's more than just a, just a hope. It's, a, it's yeah, I think it's helpful to declarative pronouncement that yeah. um, Isaac is making over one of his sons. Yeah, and Isaac almost comes across in this kind of priestly role at this point. Like he's the, you know, the chosen man of God. He's the bearer of the promises and he is kind of passing on the the mantle of that mm. that promise bearing office if you like that seems to be what he's doing is he's giving the blessing there's there's this way in which not, he's not just kind of asking god he's like god's chosen man who's almost doing mm. god's will at this point yeah okay so as as the the child of the promise the one in the line of abraham we know that the descendants of abraham will be blessed we know that there's this line going on we've been following since um genesis chapter 12 and now we're up to the point where that sort of gets passed on and it's sort of declared but not upon esau and upon um jacob and that's the the blessing that's going on here yeah and that's right and it seems like there's there's not, yeah, this, this kind of blessing ceremony format. It's not necessarily good things because the blessing that Isaac ends up giving Esau, you know, Esau kind of, you know, tears up and he's begging. Give me a know, blessing, come yeah, on. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Have you got yep. anything left? And then yep. Isaac says, you know, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. Mm. You'll live by the sword. You'll serve your brother. When you grow restless, you'll throw his yoke from your neck. Mm. Like as, as Mike told us, there is a bit of a silver lining there for Esau, but even the silver lining, it's this violent, you know, uprising revolution kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yep. It's not exactly the kind of picture of goodness and peace and prosperity that you might associate with the word blessing. It's, yep. it's this it's this future-looking kind of pronouncement about what's going to happen to Esau, but it's not particularly positive. And, and so what you're saying there is that this, this, the, this ceremonial thing that's going on, and you see it again in Genesis 49 with, with the next generation down, um, you're getting blessed, um, and, uh, it, but it's not necessarily pronouncing positive things necessarily because I think sometimes we associate blessing in that moment with, a, with, all, with just all the good stuff. Um, there can be a sort of a, a future 
directed comment that actually maybe it's not going to be good for you, which is what it feels like for Esau here. Yeah. And, and you certainly see that in, in chapter 49 as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're going to see some of the things that Jacob's sons do by the end of this series. But one of the things that comes out in Genesis 49, so Reuben, who was Jacob's firstborn son, mm. again, the one you'd expect to be inheriting the mantle. The, the blessing, inverted commas, that Jacob gives to Reuben, uh, he says, 49 verse 3, Reuben, you're my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power. Turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel. Mm. For you went up onto your father's bed, onto my couch and defiled it. Yeah. So the blessing Jacob has for Reuben is, you were excellent, but you're not going to be excellent anymore. Yeah. Because of Reuben has this awful moment where he defiles the the, the bed of his father. Mm. So yeah, that's a blessing, but it's, it's a blessing that's proportional to the sin of Reuben's life. It's not a... Uh, a hopeful wish for the future. It's uh, there's almost this this punishment, this consequence for yeah. Reuben's sin in the blessing. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, so we've been talking about blessing. Um, the, the second part of these questions that came in asking for definitions are, okay, how is that different to the birthright uh, that uh, Jacob nicked off with, you know, with the bowl of soup um, in, the, in the earlier part of, of this uh, story? Uh, yeah, they're, they're kind of meant to be confusing and similar in a way like in in this section in the the hebrew text there's puns all over the place and the words blessing and birthright are really similar so the hebrew word for birthright is bakorah and blessing is baraka like they sound really really similar yep so you kind of hear echoes of one in the other and that's that's part of the point i think i mean what's the difference the the birthright is the inheritance rights of the firstborn son so in ancient cultures the the firstborn would get a double share of the inheritance so under the normal way things worked for a family like Isaac's, Esau would be getting two-thirds of the estate, Jacob would get one-third. The right mm-hmm. of the firstborn is that, that birthright, the kind of the double share. Mm-hmm. Whereas the blessing is what we've been saying. It's this, this end-of-life wish for, for what's going to happen in the, the generations to come. Yeah, okay. So that, that's helpful. That, that distinguishes between the two. And, and, and I guess what the, the story is here is that Jacob, in his deceitfulness, um, snags both of them. That's right. Yeah, uh, there's, there's. I mean, there, there must be some link. There's this, uh, there's this pattern that both times Jacob takes what was coming to Esau, and Esau loses what was rightfully his. So there's this, there's this. Yeah, it's a, it's a recurring theme, I guess, that each time Jacob does the same kind of thing to Esau, they, they sort of go together. Okay. All right. Well, let, let's push on. So in this moment where um, uh, Isaac's going to pronounce the blessing on, on what he thinks is going to be Esau, his, his favorite son, um, he loves him because of the wild game. You know, we've seen that sort of favoritism play out through the, the story so far. But then he says, uh, go, go and make me a meal, uh, catch me some wild game, the stuff that I love, and then bring it to me and I can eat it and then I'll bless you. Why, why does he require this food before blessing him? Um, why not just, just do it, like bless him, and then you could have avoided the whole trickery, yeah, just get on with it. That's right, yes. Yeah. So he probably could have saved himself a lot of pain if he just did it on the spot, hey? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't think Isaac had to. There's, yeah, the text doesn't seem to tell us this is something that was required, but it's what Isaac wanted. In part, that's, you know, the nature of food all throughout the Bible. I mean, even, even if our, in our own culture, we know that, you know, food is part of what makes moments significant. Like the chapter just before this, Isaac makes this covenant with Abimelech and he has a feast. They, you know, they celebrate with food and drink. Hmm. And we do the same at, you know, weddings and like our, our night church Thanksgiving dinners at the end of, 
end of last year, things like that. Like yeah. food says, this is a big moment. Sure. For Isaac, I think it's more than that. Uh, when you look back at the, the beginning of this whole section, chapter 25, verse 28, we find out Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, mm. while Rebecca loved Jacob. So one of the reasons why Esau is Isaac's favorite son is because he is the, the man's man, the hunter, the, you know, Isaac has a taste for, for fine dining and Esau is the son who uh, gives him what he wants. Uh, it kind of binds Isaac and Esau together, which yeah. is part of the point of this story, you know. Isaac has Esau as his favorite, Rebecca has Jacob as her favorite, and the conflict between the family is part of what makes everything blow up in such a messy way. Yeah, okay. All right, so it's not a, it's not a ceremonial requirement. It's not some sort of um, cultural thing that we should have been aware of that this has to happen for a blessing to take place, but just because it's, it's part of Isaac's favoritism towards his favorite son. Yeah, like I'm not an expert in the cultural stuff, so yeah, could, I may be yeah, wrong on that, right. but um, yep. it seems like the emphasis here is identifying Isaac with Esau and strengthening that bond of favoritism. Nice. Okay. Very good. Uh, keep moving along here. Um, uh, just a, a really helpful little detail question here. Um, someone's noted, look, in, in the passage in chapter 27, and I think it's in, in the blessing itself, isn't it? In verse 29. Yep. Uh, the passage says, uh, it talks about uh, brothers, plural, and, and mother's sons, plural. Um, is that a reference to, to um, other children um, in, in the family here? Um, in, is there more than just Esau and Jacob, these two twins? Is that who um, th- this son is going to rule over or is it, is it something else going on here? Yeah, great pickup. As far as I'm aware, the, the text of Genesis never tells us that Isaac and Rebekah had other sons. Mm-hmm. In the case of the other patriarchs, we do get some of those indications, like at the end of Abraham's life. You know, he has Ishmael and he has Isaac. And then right at the end, he, he marries another woman after Sarah dies and Abraham has a whole bunch of other sons. So he's mm. got a, a bigger set, whereas uh, we only ever find out about Jacob and Esau when it mm. comes to Isaac. Yep. So if there are other children, they're not mentioned. I think what may be going on in verse 29 is there's, there's a broader sense to the way that words like brothers and sons are used in the Hebrew language. So brother doesn't necessarily just mean biological brother. Like you see something like this in our, our next chapter for this Sunday mm. uh, in... Uh, Genesis 29, Jacob comes to his uncle Laban and literally he says, oh, I'm Laban's brother. Mm. And like he's not by our word standards, he's Laban's nephew. But that word brother, it means like, you know, relative or or kinsman. Right. So it may be here Isaac saying, you know, Jacob, you will be lord over your kind of, you know, extended family. You'll be lord over the tribe, that kind of idea. It's kind of a clan idea. These, yeah. are, my, these are my brothers, my people. Yeah, that, exactly. That, that yeah. kind of idea. That's right. Yeah, okay. And there's probably something here also looking kind of, you know, forward in time that uh, Jacob's descendants, the people of Israel, they're going to be lord over Esau's descendants, the, the people of Edom. That's the, the thing that was declared way back in chapter 25. God said, you know, to Rebekah, in your womb are two nations and one people will serve the other. So there's this future national orientation to it too. Nice. Okay, gotcha. Um, all right, now to sort of move towards the end, we've got to, a couple of questions that sort of um, capture up the same thing. So I'll just see if I can sort of summarize them up together. Um, it's They're sort of asking around the idea that God seems to be using deceit and deceitful ways in order to bless, which feels like that's out of character for God. God is righteous. God is holy. Uh, God hates sin. And yet here he is um, using... Uh, Jacob's sin to uh, achieve his purposes and, and actually more than that to, to bless the, the wicked dude. Um, yeah, how does that, that 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 feels weird? How do we think that through? 
Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest theological issue that falls out of this passage. So great question to ask. And you've got to feel the weight of that, yeah. Here you have God choosing to work through this web of lies. Like surely God in his power could have done it a different way. You know, God could have, you know, appointed the, you know, holy godly younger son to be the one who would inherit the blessings. But it's it's through this this mess of sin that, that God chooses to, to work out his purposes. So we've got to feel the weight of that, yeah. God is holy and he is good and he cannot look upon evil. And yet here we see him bringing about good, his good promised purposes of blessing through lies. So what's going on with that? I mean, it's worth noting that this is uh, not just an issue for this passage. Like this is an issue that goes through the whole book of Genesis, really, and, and really through the whole rest of the Bible. This is, even in Genesis, it, it ramps up. Like we saw this kind of thing in, in Abraham's life. Like Abraham lies about his wife, Sarah, and in his fear, he sins. And that's something that God works through to bring about good. Jacob, it ramps up. Like Jacob is not just afraid and weak. He's like actively sinning and scheming to, to kind of bring about evil. And God chooses to work through that. And then when you get to the end of Genesis and you see Jacob's son, Joseph, and how he gets dragged off to Egypt because his brothers wanted to kill him. Like there it's this murderous rage that God works through. But the end of all of that, like as that theme ramps up, you get this amazing verse at the end of the book of Genesis, uh, which kind of caps it all off. Mm. Uh, as Joseph reflects back on what his brothers did to him. Yep. Genesis 50 verse 20. He says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Because through them going to Egypt, the, the people of Israel, they were saved from the famine. So yeah, God works through all of this mess. And what he brings out of it is good and salvation. Mm. And that's, that's a tension for us. Mm. There is something that feels messy about that. Yep. God assures us that he is not the, the origin of this evil. He's not the one who does it. But when evil happens, he works through it and brings about good. Okay. Well, can we push it a little bit further and can I push you a little bit further on it? In that there's another question here that says, look, if God has chosen to bless the younger child, Jake, and we know that from, from Romans 9 explicitly in terms of um, God's sovereign choice, he, he loved Jacob and hated Esau. That was just the choice that he made. Um, and also given the cultural importance slash expectations of the eldest child, isn't isn't it God who is laying the foundations of the trouble that we see unfold? Like is God, in, in order to bless Jacob, he, there has to be some kind of inversion and it's almost, it, it, it almost feels like God is making the sin, or at least laying the seeds that this, this sinful deceit has to take place. Is, is this, yeah, did, did, can we push it a bit further? Yeah, so is the question, I mean, God could have just said, I'm just going to work through the firstborn. That's mm-hmm. one thing he could have said. Yep. Uh, so the fact that God chooses the second, there's no way the firstborn's just going to take that lying down. Like, that's right, yeah. yeah the, the trouble is set up even by God's choice. That, that's it. There's going to be some conflict here one way or another. Yeah, and, and I think that there's something that's, that's right and true about that. Uh, one of the things that you see in Genesis is that uh, the characters are never excused for the way that they respond to what is ultimately God's sovereign choice. So the reason that Esau is kind of passed over in the end is not because uh, God didn't choose him. Well, I mean, it is, but it's also because he despised his birthright. That's mm. what we get at the end of 25. Esau, I think I said in the talk, Esau doesn't lose anything that he already showed that he didn't want. Mm. Like he, his, his uh, desires are perfectly aligned with God's will at that point. Like Esau doesn't want it and God hasn't, hasn't given it to him. So it's not like 
uh, God's will is set against Esau's will. Like yes. Esau freely wants and desires what he ends up getting from yeah. God, I think. Yeah. But I mean, more than that, part of what God's doing here is he is overturning and upsetting our, our human expectations. This is another one of those consistent patterns throughout Genesis that God passes over the, 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 the elder or, or the rightful kind of firstborn, the person who we'd expect to, to be the one who comes out on top. You see, it's not Abraham's first son, Ishmael, who's the child of the promise. It's Isaac. He's also the younger. Mm. You see it in the life of Jacob's sons. It's not Reuben or Levi or Simeon, his eldest sons, who end up on top. It's, it's Judah and it's, it's Joseph, who's one of his youngest sons. All throughout the Bible, God uh, picks people who we would least expect. You see it in, in the book of Samuel when God rejects Saul as king and he goes to the house of Jesse and we see all Jesse's sons. Jesse's like, yeah, here's all my, here's my big, tough, manly sons. And yeah. Samuel says, no, nah, it's none of them. Haven't you got another son? And it's, <laughs> it's weedy old David who's out the back. He's the youngest and the smallest. Yeah. He's the one God has appointed as king. Yeah. Again and again, God makes this point that the person you expect who's going to be the leader is the, the last person who, mm. who God wants. And the reason behind all that, I think, is that God wants us to, to know that it's not the power of the people who he chooses that ultimately brings about his purposes. It's God's power. He deliberately chooses the weak and passed over and unexpected so that we might know that it's God's power that ultimately accomplishes his ends. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that makes me think just loud and clear of 1 Corinthians 1, um, you know, where, where Paul, Paul writes and he says, um, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many influential, not many of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things and uh, of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Mm. It's like God deliberately does things the way we don't want them to happen. Yeah. And that forces us to choose, are we going to just rage against God's choice or mm. are we going to submit and humble ourselves before his mm. power and wisdom? Mm. And, and I guess at that point, part of what God is doing here is he's interrogating our, our assumptions about who should be blessed. Because I think sometimes we bring to the to the Bible and even just to our worldview that the, the good people should get blessings yeah. and the bad people shouldn't get them. Um, and and there's, a, there's an inherent rightness to that way of thinking at one level. There's a, there's a, there's a justice sort of built into that. Um, and yet part of what God does in, in, in his sort of lavishing of grace upon the world is to say, I'm free to bless whoever I want mm. and I am free to bless the wicked. Um, and, and, and at one level, both Esau and Jacob are both wicked. Um, and God's by, by sort of lavishing blessing upon the, the deceitful younger one is, is really clearly saying, and I, as the sovereign God, am free to bless who, whom I choose to bless. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, we are right to say to God, you know, the good should be blessed and the bad should not. Like that's a, that's a true and right thing. Mm. The point where we're wrong is that our judgment about who is good that's right. The thing that's suspect. That's right, because we, we think that there are actually some of us that are that are good and worthy, which is actually yeah. not not the way the Bible sets, uh, sort of shows us humanity to be. Yeah, everything that God does that's good, He does to people who don't deserve it. Mm. That's and that, the thing we've got to take away. And, and that, I guess, then at that point, really opens up our, our sense of what blessing is all about. Um, we began today talking about what what is blessing, and it's God sort of showing goodness towards the world. And, and I guess at that point, it's it's God showing goodness towards a deeply undeserving world um, at, at every point. Um, yeah, and, and Jacob, I guess, personifies that and, and perhaps personifies us at that point as being the, the wicked deceiver who's, who still nonetheless gets the blessing from God. 
Yeah. And so the end result of all that is praise be to God that mm. he would lavish his blessings on anyone. Yeah, for sure. Okay, now that's it for, for our questions uh, for this week. Thank you for sending them in, and uh, we'll keep answering them as long as you keep sending them in. So please do uh, yeah, send us a question if, you, if you've got one. Uh, we've got a couple of seconds before we wrap up, Jack, to think uh, looking forward. Uh, this coming Sunday, uh, St. Paul's Online, where are we going? So we're following on with the next episode in Jacob's life. Jacob flees from his brother who wants to kill him after he's stolen the blessing. Uh, we see Jacob run off alone. It's a, it's a low point for Jacob. Mm. And the thing that really comes out is what is God's presence with Jacob going to look like after this? God comes and tells Jacob he is with him, but we also see that Jacob's sins are not going to go unpunished. So wrestling with what does it mean for God to be with a sinful people? That's where we're going this Sunday. Nice. Well, looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, looking forward to St. Paul's Online. So we'll see you uh, on Zoom on Sunday. We'll see you uh, through St. Paul's Online. And uh, yeah, looking forward to to pushing on a little further in the book of Genesis. Thanks, Jack. My pleasure. We'll see you then. All right. Bye-bye.